0: While I was sitting there, you know, I was thinking, I know that's dangerous for me, but I was thinking, what's the difference between happiness and joy? And what I realized is, is I, and I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but this is just right there on the spot. I really believe that joy is something that has to come out from the inside. If you know what I'm saying to you, it comes down from the inside of who you are, and, and it comes out of you. Happiness is waiting for something to happen. It's waiting for something to happen that's going to give you some, you know, uh, you know, happiness. And I, I believe I, I know kind of the, the reason that's true. I mean, I'm thinking that at least. Uh, when I was in um, Knoxville, and I was a minister of education there at a church in Knoxville, Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, they have um, they had a deal where they would have a men's bake-off. And when men are not really good at something, they're pretty good at making a joke out of it, if you understand what I'm saying. And so, uh, you know, you don't expect, in some cases, you know, the men to break something and it doesn't taste any good, but you don't want to say that it doesn't taste any good. You know what I'm saying? You know, you don't want to say, oh, this tastes awful, but, you know, you go, oh, yes, because you're in church and you lie about it. And so the, the thing is, is that, you know, so one guy he took cornbread he made cornbread and then he iced it all over and so he was i mean people were eating this and they were trying to say this is good cake, you know, because you're not expecting that sweet and that cornbread to be there at the same time, you know, and so they were doing that. One, in fact, one of the people, they said, I didn't see this happen, but he got, we, the church is right behind the, uh, right in front of, I guess, the, the Tennessee River and they were outside and, and the guy, you know, he gets over next to, next to the river and he kind of let it go, you know, and they fed the fish the cornbread. But but the, the most clever one that I saw was this, or I didn't see it actually, I, I heard about it. One guy He got some bricks and he iced them. You know, and so on the outside, it looked like a perfectly good cake. A little heavy, but you know what I'm saying, but but a perfectly good cake. And you don't know until what happens. You try to cut into it. You see, the problem isn't what it looked like on the outside, but what was on the inside. There was no cake there. I wonder about that in joy now. You know, when I see, you know, Christians should be more joyful than anybody else. And the joy needs to come out from the inside. And what I realized, as Brett was kind of alluding to a little bit there, I realized I'm going upstream. I'm not going like the rest of the churches. And maybe that's going to make us have less people. I have no idea if that's going to be true or not. But that's not the point. The point is not whether I can come up with a sermon on, you know, five-part sermon on how to raise your kids or how to get your finances in order or, or dealing with your fears or having great marriages or dealing with any fear that you got in your life or all of that kind of stuff. The point is, is that what difference is it if you just look good on the outside and it's not on the inside? And what I have recognized is, is that when we become believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us. And if the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, shouldn't we start being something different on the inside and shouldn't it start showing on the outside? Shouldn't that be the way that it really works? And what we're doing is, is we're just putting some icing over the bricks, that's what we ended up doing. We're icing the bricks. So join me as I, I read the scriptures to you from, from, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He was, now. I want to say some things here. He was, meaning Jesus, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Did you realize that? It was foreknown what Jesus was going to do before the foundation of the world. He was in heaven with, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, all there in heaven at this time before the world was created. That's what it's saying right here. But was made manifest in the last times for your sake. And we'll talk about manifest in a minute. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. See, we've been talking about holiness. We've been talking about holiness for a few weeks. And so Peter has given us reason to be a holy people. In verse 16, we've dealt with that a few weeks ago. He told us that you know we are to be holy as he is holy. In verse 17, we are to be careful in our conduct. That is, holiness should be found in our conduct. In verses 18 and 19, we're told that we were ransomed from our former way of living. And now we're in verse 20 and 21. And we are told that holiness is who we need. Need to be. See, Jesus Christ came to make us holy. Recognize this. Christ came to make us holy. That's more than, you know, something that He just considers us that way. I think a lot of people say, well, I'm not really holy, but God thinks I am. Then God's pretty deluded, isn't he? If that's the way it is, if that's what it's going to be. But what in reality that is there is that it's not what you call yourself, it is what you are to be. You're actually to be holy. And I think a lot of people think, well, that's just not, that's just not going to happen. But it does happen. And God wants to see us as he calls us this. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, it says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling? Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. See that there again. There it is. Before the ages began, God gave us this. And said, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You realize what he's saying. Holiness is at the core of our salvation. We are saved with a commitment to Christ. That commitment sets us aside for the Lord. You know, when we do the parent-child dedications we have here, we don't ever want that to be some kind of ritual. And when the parents come up here, you know, I've seen, and I think that we can do this. We can make baptism a ritual. You ever seen where you, you just call it a ritual? I mean, you just, the person got dunked in the water and they never come to church again. You know why? They've done everything. That's all there is to it. I've done the rituals. I've done the things that I need to do. I mean, I walked down the aisle in the church. I, I prayed a prayer. And I am I mean, I, I, I've done the other ritual. The ritual is being baptized. That's the end of it, isn't it. And so they don't come back again. It's not a ritual. It's a commitment that is there. And when we do the parent-child dedication, what we're doing is we're having the parents are dedicating their children to the Lord. That is that the parents are setting their children aside for the Lord's service. Do you recognize that? It's not simply some ritual that you're going through. I need to do this because my kids just haven't been dedicated yet. But what you're saying is, I want my children to, to walk with the Lord in their lives in this service and and walk along with him. Now, it involves two things. It involves protection from evil and leading them in righteousness. That's what it is to set them aside. I want to protect them from the evil, but I want to lead them also in righteousness. You see, and that is the nature of someone setting himself or her side aside for holiness. It is to protect from the evil. That's the passive sort of thing. But then to, to, uh, to lead, to go forward in righteousness. There's two sides of this. And so we need to set ourselves aside for God in holiness, in holiness and protect from the evil and walk in the righteousness. Now, there is passive uh, prevention and there is aggressive prevention prevention or progressive there're passive evil and there is uh, aggressive evil and and then there is promoting for righteousness let's go into that in John chapter first uh, John rather chapter uh, two verse sixteen. And I, I know I'm reading this and I've read this to you so many weeks in a row and I got that, but I need to always catch uh, some folks up here. But what, what I'm trying to say here is you might have memorized the scripture by now because all you have to do is read it every week for about three or four weeks and suddenly you've memorized it. I got that, but I need to go into this one more time. It says in 1 John 2:16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh... The desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And what I have told you already is that you can name every, you can attach every sin there is to those three things. You can attach every crime that is ever committed to those three things. The lust of the flesh, as they call it in the in other versions, the lust of the eyes and pride of life. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you this new. Not all of you have the same propensity to do all three things. What I'm trying to say to you is some of you are affected by some things and you're not affected by other things. There are some of you that uh, you're not affected by the desires of the eyes. And that's that's talk about money. I'll talk about that in a minute. But money doesn't ring your bell. I mean, we could talk about money all day long. You don't have any struggle with money whatsoever. You're just, that's just who you are. And some of you are not affected by the the lust of the flesh. That is that you don't have any trouble with pornography or watching any of that kind of stuff or being sucked in. No, you don't have that. And some of you don't have any trouble with pride. You're just a naturally humble person and you you don't get into the pride issues that are there. And you don't even care if people remember your names. You're not offended when somebody forgets your name. That's not your thing that is there. And so, but you need to be aware of the things that do affect you. And what I'm trying to say here is, is that for those of you that have the lust for the physical pleasure, hear this from me. The lust of the flesh most often manifests itself in sexual desire. There is nothing wrong with sexual desire as long as it's in the proper parameters. Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? And so, and the passive evil might be something like you watch something on TV. And you shouldn't watch that thing on TV. And, you know, and I will have to say this to you, especially men, you need to pay attention to the content of the movies before you ever see it. You really do need to pay attention to that. And you need to avoid those movies that have anything to do with, uh, with the, the nudity and all of the kind of stuff that goes with graphic sexuality in it. And says, so, but watching this is a passive evil. What I'm trying to say, you need to keep yourself away from this sort of thing. Okay, for those of you who have the lust of the eyes or the desires of the eyes, that, those with the lust of the eyes are people who have a desire for money and possessions. And here's the strange thing about it is, it is not only do you want money, and this is the thing, but it's, and there's nothing wrong with wanting money, it's just the fact that it's standing in the way of fulfilling what God wants you to do. And what happens to you, this is the strange thing about the thing with money, God wants you to have enough money to be, you know, to have your needs met and to be generous. Understand that. But what happens with the people that have the desires of the of the eyes or the or the lust of the eyes, is that that they are either they spend like crazy with their money, and they're in debt all the time, or the other side of it is they are penny pinchers like you cannot believe on that side. They're, 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 and I mean they'll be one of those two. And it's the same issue here. It is the same issue that is here, and so uh, they, I, I would say to you, you, you know what? you've got this issue and it's your it's yours then you really don't need to be watching the ads you don't really need to be, uh, you know, lusting after the latest and the greatest and, the, and all of the other stuff that is out there. You know, you, you really have to, to stay away from that because it, it, it very passively starts to lead you into the evil. It passively does that. And so, and, and, it, and you may say, well, it's a passive act. Well, it, for some people, it means that they count every penny. And they, and the other thing about it is, is they never give anybody anything. They are stingy. You know, they, they I mean, I'm, I know I'm, I'm going to meddle a little bit here, but but they're stingy when they tip at a at a, at a restaurant. They're stingy when, you know, when, when somebody's there that needs something and they know they have it. And they're stingy is what happens to them. So you can be a Mr. Scrooge on one side, or you can be the person that's in debt like crazy because you spend it all. So th- it's a problem with money. And then... The third one, the pride of life is just plain old pride. That's what it is. It's just a plain old pride. And it often manifests itself in power. See, you want to be somebody. There is nothing wrong with being somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you want to stand over people because you are somebody, then there is a problem with that. So what we need to do is make an assessment of our own weaknesses. And we need to look at the passive sins that we have. And what we need to do is stay away from those that are there. Those passive sins we need to stay away from that are there. And we need to protect ourselves. And don't allow it to become inevitable. If you are a person, for example, that has trouble with, you know, physical pleasure. It doesn't have to be sexual. A physical pleasure could be that you really like to eat. And what it has caused you is a lot of problems. It's caused you a lot of problems. Well, guess what? You can't go to an all-you-can-eat place. Do you understand? Because it's right there in front of you. And what you've done is you put yourself in a place where you fall into that, that uh, situation. You don't want to fall into that. And and if you are a person that, that has the issue with money, the, the, the idea of the, the lust of the eyes... Then here's the thing, folks. You can't gamble because you know why? Because here's what happens when a person gambles. They have this issue. What they do is they lose, and you know what they think? All I have to do now is win, and I, I, I got to get my money back. And you know what that does for them? It gets them deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in trouble. And this is the issue with with uh, with gambling. I'm I'm not a I'm I'm not uh, I don't Gamble is what I'm trying to say. But, man, I have seen people in Las Vegas do it. You know, I'm a funny person. I've been to Las Vegas a few times and never pick a, put a whatever coin or anything into any slot machines or do any of that kind of stuff. But I can obvi- obviously, I can, I can observe people. And what they're trying to do desperately is win their money back. That's what they're doing. They're trying to win that money back. And if you're pri- you have an issue with pride... You might want to stay off of Facebook a little bit. Because I'm going to tell you what's going on there. You're counting the number of hits and the number of likes and all of that. And you are milking that for all that you can get out of it. And your value is found in how much you have people tell you you're okay, or they like you, or they're giving you the thumbs up, or or whatever it is out there. So this is a way to stay out of it passively, these things. But let's talk about how can we be aggressive in righteousness, passive on the evil that is coming around us. But let's get into the aggressiveness on righteousness. First, setting yourself apart for holiness is spending time with God each day. I know that doesn't, that doesn't um, surprise you, or it shouldn't surprise you, but it needs to be spending time with God each day. How do you do that? You need to read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Get in there and read the scriptures. You don't have to, you know, there's some people that read the Bible through every year. You know, I've never been able to do that, read it through every year. You know why? Because I get stuck on the second verse and I have to sit there and think about it for a long time. I mean, I'm just telling you and I, and I go, oh, well, that's, that's really, that's, that's knocking me out right now. That verse, I mean, and I have to really consider it. So, But you don't have to read, you know, you don't have to read a chapter. You don't even have to read more than a verse. But you need to read the Bible every day. You need to pray for others and yourself. You wouldn't know how I've been changed by praying for people. You know who I pray for the most? People that don't like me. Now, I think everybody ought to like me, but quite frankly, they're not everybody likes me. And what I do is I pray for those people that don't like me. And you know what? has changed my attitude toward them completely. Has it changed their attitude toward me? I don't know. That's not the point. But my point here is, is you pray for the, those people, the others, and for yourself. And then worship every day. You get in the car, you get up in the morning, you go, go look at yourself in the mirror. And I say, and you need to say, I know that God is with you. Point at that person in the mirror and say, I know that God is with you because you know that God is with you. And you say, and I praise you, Lord, for being with me today. And tell him that. And then memorize scripture. And a lot of people say, I can't memorize scripture. I promise you, you read that same verse over and over every day. I guarantee you're going to memorize that scripture and you don't even have to try. You just start reading it over and over and over. You say, I want to memorize the scripture. Just read it. Read it every day. Read it every day. Read it every day. And you find what happens to you. You'll get there with that. Then listen to and watch godly things. And I should say on the other side, and make sure you don't watch the other stuff. But listen to and watch godly things. There's lots of godly things that are out there that you can do. Then seek to serve. Seek to serve. What I'm saying to you there is, is that God does not want us to simply sit down. He wants us to act. And not because, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but not because he couldn't do it himself, but because he wants us to walk with him. Seek to serve. And then give until you're a tither. I know that everybody, this is what the whole message is going to be about this morning because I mentioned this. But give until you're a tither, you know. And then I would say this, tithe until you're a giver. And if you see what I'm saying there, because you can tithe and then you can give. You're free to give whatever you want to give beyond that. And then take the mindset of Christ. This is what you're going to have. Philippians 2.5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I can tell you, uh, absolutely, Jesus had no trouble with pride. He had no trouble with money, and he had no problems with his physical desires. You realize he was that holy. So God's plan of holiness for us though was set before the foundation of the world and manifested in the cross. You see that what happened on the cross. See Jesus was designated to be the sacrifice for all who will trust in him before the foundation of the world. Before creation was created. That means that God always knew our sin. He always knew that we would sin, even Adam and Eve. You see, Jesus was not a backup plan. And that means that before the beginning of creation, Jesus stood ready for the sacrifice of Adam and Eve, even Adam and Eve, before the beginning. And so he knew, that, <laughs> he knew they were going to do what they were going to do. He knows what we're going to do. And so God created us. When he created us with salvation in mind. He already created us with salvation in mind. He, he wanted us to be saved. And you know, I think that sometimes we, we think that we're going to inform God of our sins. And he's going to go, I didn't know you did that. You know, that's not going to be the case. Uh, l- let me tell you something about, this is the thing that happens with people. And they, they tell me sometimes, they'll say, I've been broken And you know what that means to them? It means they've been humbled. They've had something terrible that has happened in their lives. They have just had a horrible thing that happened in their lives. And so what happens to them is is they they say, I have been humbled. Or they'll say, I've been broken, rather. And what I'm saying to you is, is that they haven't been broken. Let me tell you the difference between being humbled and being broken. When you are broken, you grieve over your sin, not over your circumstances. It is your sin that you are grieving over. And when you have been broken and you feel the, the the egregious nature of your sin, then you understand what confession really is. Because you're not informing God something he doesn't know. You're agreeing with God with something that he already knows. So that before time began, Jesus was foreknown even to be the Savior. Remember a, a couple of months ago when I was preaching in, on the, the Easter time, I mean the Christmas type sermons. And I read this verse. It says that they, when the angels were speaking to the shepherds, they declared this in Luke 2.11. Uh, 2 For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you realize he was born the Savior? He didn't go to the cross and become the Savior. He was born the Savior. That was the intent from the very beginning. And this salvation was to change you from unholy to holy. It wasn't intended for you to be saved, but unchanged. Genuine Christ-likeness is fundamental evidence that reveals your salvation. Think of this. I think so many people say, well, God considers us that way, but that's not really how we are. Would you go to a mechanic? I mean, so you go to a mechanic. Car broke down. Okay, not that. Car broke down. Go to mechanic. And the mechanic says to you, I consider your car fixed. I know you can still hear that noise. Uh, but first I would recommend to you is that you just start ignoring that noise. That would be the first thing. And then when you say, but, but I can't ignore the noise. And then they say, well, then you need to turn up the radio a little louder so you can miss that noise that you have right there. Now, how many of you would like to go to a mechanic and who said, I consider your car fixed, but I'm not really going to fix it. You see, Jesus came so that we would be fixed. That we will become holy. See, the Savior is manifested to you right now. Manifested means made evident. You see, what happens to us is is that we are made evident because the Holy Spirit. It's growing inside of us. Not taking over. That's not what I'm saying to you. But the Holy Spirit, that, that relationship is growing with inside of us. And it's changing who we are from the inside out. For salvation is more than just going to heaven. It's more than just going to heaven. Salvation includes being changed from the one who is literally working against the Lord and to a person who is fully devoted servant. Salvation includes becoming one who walks with God so closely that the person reveals the character of God and who he or she is. You realize you're revealing who God is to the rest of the world because you're walking so closely. I ask you, do you believe that God could do the work on the earth that he wants to do without you? And the answer is yes. Yes, he could. He could do the work that he has uh, called you to uh, to work on. The service that he is calling you to serve is 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 he's quite capable of doing it without your help. So why does God call us to serve? Because he wants us to walk with him, and that's how we walk with him. We walk along with him in order to bring about the things of that he wants to bring about, and to be changed. In our lives, so that we are burning hot with who he is. You see, the, the Christian life that burns with intensity is found in the middle of the fire. It's found in the middle of the fire. You know, uh, I took a online physics course recently. And in that, uh, I, I decided to discover it, but they said this themselves. It said that the inside of the sun, our, our sun in the sky... Burns with much, much higher heat than the surface of the sun. And I thought about that and I said, well, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, when I have a fire in the fireplace, I guarantee you those coals are much hotter than the outside where I feel the flame. You understand? That's really true. And in the, in the Christian life that, is, that, is, that it burns with intensity, it's found in the middle. It's found on the inside of who you are. And that means that God has and his intention for you before the beginning of the world was that you would walk with him with an intensity that the world cannot duplicate. We are believers of God through our relationship with Jesus. A believer is a condition here. We become believers when we trust in Jesus for salvation. It's like going through a marriage ceremony. I will tell you the truth. I don't know when a person is married. I've done a lot of marriage ceremonies. But is it when they kiss? Is that when it is? Is it when they said, I do? Uh, was that it? I mean, I, I, when they repeated the bows after me, is that when they got? I, I don't actually know, but I know at the end of it, they're married. That's what I know. I don't know if the person, when they bow their head in order to say, I want Jesus in my heart and I repent of my sins. I don't know if that's when they, they become saved or it's when they just bow their head. I don't know if they bow their head or when they say the words. I don't know. It doesn't matter, does it? It is a condition. And there is only one way, one way we can have that salvation where the Holy Spirit comes into us. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Look at those words there. Jesus himself said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, either Jesus is deluded. In other words, he believed that's who he was, but he wasn't, that isn't who he was. Or he's crazy. And that means that he just had this this idea and and he, he was just crazy. Or he's lying or he's who he says he is. You realize I know that there's so many people that will tell you I believe that Jesus was a good teacher. I mean, you will just point this one out to them. If you said that word there, it said, "Well, if you know if he's not the Savior that he says, if he's not the only way to the Father like he says, then he must have been deluded, crazy, or lying." And if you're deluded, crazy, or lying, you're not a good teacher. If you want to say he's a good teacher, you need to be able to say he's the Savior as well. And there are, there is no other way to get there. No other way to get there. You know, you think sometimes, you know, I was taking a physics course when I was in college. And uh, we, uh, I I took this physics course. It was advanced physics course. And what happened was is that they didn't uh, have class. We didn't have any class. What we did was is that when we were ready to take a test, we took a test. And this is the way that worked. We'd go in to the professor. We'd say, "Professor, I'm ready to take, you know, chapter one, test two, test three, chest, or whatever, test, or whatever it was that we had, we were supposed to take." So I would, you know, we'd go in and do that. And so I remember I I went in to uh, take a test, and I was taking this test. And here was the thing on the test: if you made 99, you failed. You had to have everything correct on it. Everything correct. So I went in and I took one of the tests. And he looked at my, my stuff and he said, yeah, you got it right. But why did you do it that way? I said, because it was one of the examples at the end of the chapter that we're supposed to review from. And it said to do it that way. He said, fine, I want you to do it a different way. I said, you know what the hardest thing to do is? Once you know how to do something is to do it a different way. I sat there and puzzled over it and puzzled over it and puzzled over it. And what happened was I said, "Ah, I figured this out and I did it a different way and I made an addition problem. I mean, I, I just added two numbers wrong, had every step correct. And you know what I got? F. got an F. I'll tell you what I got. I got an F. You know, there may be two ways to do a physics problem, but there aren't two ways to get to heaven. There are not two ways to get to God. That is what Jesus has said Himself, And, you know, through this condition, based on a physical resurrection and a spiritual glory, we have faith and hope in God. Faith is believing who God is. He is the God who heals, who supplies our needs, who fixes the things that are broken in our lives, who forgives, who works in you, and he works in others. Now, why would we believe that? We believe that because we walk with him. And the reason that people doubt so often is because they got off the path. You have to get really close to God. When the things that are happening in your life and there's tragedies that happen, when you get off that path, you're going to say, I'm not sure if that's who he is. But if you are walking with him and you're walking closely with him, then you will know, you will know That when you get into trouble, when you have the financial problem, when you have health problems, when you have worries, and you know, all of that, you will know who he is. And you won't go around the world and say, well, you know, I have my doubts and that's just normal. Because it isn't normal. Normal should be I have faith. I have faith. When we were little, we used to, our fathers used to take us to the pool and go to the deep end. I don't know if you guys did this. And what happened, they'd say, jump into our arms. The dads would say that. And what did we do? We jumped. Why did we jump? We jumped because we knew he would catch us. We knew that. We absolutely had faith in that. And so when we have these issues and happen in our lives, we have a hope in God. He's going to, not that he just can catch us, but that he will catch us. And we know that because we have walked along with him. And because we know him, and this, this growth has happened from the inside out. You know, Christians, <clears throat> Christians should have the best outlook of all. Let I me mean, think about this. Christians are loved by God who prepared to know them before the foundation of the world. Think about that. He wanted to know you experientially. He already knew who you were. But he wanted to experience you before the foundation of the world. Christians are being worked on by God to save them from the living like the rest of the world that has no hope. The rest of the world has no hope. But you're not supposed to be that way. Christians have faith because they truly know God. Because they walk with him. And Christians are never alone and never hopeless. Because we walk with him and we know him. Now, if you want to believe those things without ever being changed, I guess you can do that. And you can pretend that things are better without anything actually getting better. You can do that. I suppose you can do that. And you can still get excited on Sunday and have it all cool off by Monday. I understand that. But let me ask you something. Let's, let's say for this, just for argument. This afternoon, you go to Wegmans or Kroger's or Sam's or someplace and you buy the most beautiful chocolate cake you've ever seen. I mean, and you, you know, you, you, your mouth just waters for this chocolate cake. You think, oh, it's going to be a moist. It's going to be great. It's, oh, I've heard so much about this chocolate cake. And you get home and you find out when you try to cut into it, it's just iced over bricks. What would you do? I don't think you'd accept it. Why would Christians accept not being changed? Looking good on the outside and not on the inside. You see, you don't find out if you've got iced bricks until you try to cut into it. And I promise you, there comes a day when something's going to cut into it and find out what's on the inside. Pray with me.